It's time for the Predator Way Podcast. The show starts now. Yes, sir. Podcast. I am Boyd Farish. So for those of you who listened to our first couple episodes back in October, probably provide some context as to why you haven't heard the Predator Way back on the airwaves in a few months. First off, my mother passed away back in late October, right as we were preparing to record the third episode, and, and really that put things on 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 hold for a while as my family worked worked through a lot of that and Certainly that was a very challenging time. And then that rolled right into the holidays and all of that, that hectic season. And as, as we got out of the holidays, I got the news from my co-host Peyton Turnage that he had found a new job, which uh, certainly very excited for him. But that certainly meant that there really just wasn't enough time for him to put in the amount of effort that it takes to put these episodes together. So really just want to say thank you to Peyton for helping get this whole thing started. Hope that he can come back on soon and really w- wishing him well as, as he embarks on a new chapter. So taking a look at the at the Predator season to date as we uh, just passed the midway point entering the month of February and surprise they're a good team. Currently holding on to a divisional playoff spot which is certainly a lot more than what the expectations would have been for this team at, at the start of the season, where most everyone would have placed them as a fringe playoff contender, but certainly not one of the almost powerhouse-looking teams in the Western Conference. What we've seen from the Predators so far is, first and foremost, they are one of the top def- defenses in the league in terms of expected goals. They are really locking things down in their own end. Even though they do give up a lot of shots, they have done a much better job of of pushing those shots to the outside and making them less dangerous. Offensively, they've been powered significantly by a top 10 power play in the league. And one of the major adjustments by Coach John Hines has been playing his top unit, primarily consisting of Yossi, Forsberg, Duchesne, Granlund, and Johansson, oftentimes almost the full two minutes and really relying on that really, really skilled unit that works well together to create the plays and really use that man advantage to the best purpose possible. And then from a depth perspective, they have seven skaters already in in double-digit goals including two members of the herd line in Tanner Janot and Yakov Shrenin. So getting scoring from across the lineup has certainly made, made a big difference and really couldn't explain the success thus far of the Nashville Predators, giving a lot of love to UC Saros, who has been absolutely all-world once again. And he is one of the top goaltenders in the league in pretty much every statistical category and is having just an absolutely phenomenal season. Looking at some, some, uh, some other aspects of the team, really it's that top of the roster playing to form. I've already mentioned UC Saros, but 
Roman Yossi is having probably the best season of his career, tracking to almost an 80-point pace. And he has been driving play from really all over the ice and has just been an, on, on another level all season. Philip Forsberg is similar to Yossi, probably having the best season of his career, currently tracking at and at a pace to score over 40 goals, even with missing a bit of time earlier in the season. And he has been just a dynamic force every time he touches the puck and already has multiple highlight reel goals to his credit, including two that really stick out for what he's been able to do this year against Vegas, one where he lowered his shoulder and basically skated right through Alex Petrangelo, no slouch of a defenseman, and then managed to work the puck around the Vegas goalie and just basically tap it in for a a really impressive goal. And then here, just in in the last week or so, collecting a puck behind his own net, skating out, bouncing the puck off the boards to himself to get past one defender, skating down the ice, creating space, and then just ripping a laser of a wrist shot far side bar down. And just shows the, the, the type of game that he's been able to, to put forth in terms of being, being physical and then allowing that physicality to bring the skill forward. Across the rest of the top of the roster, you can't talk about Matt Duchesne enough. He's currently sitting just one goal behind Forsberg, where Forsberg has 22 Matt Duchesne keeping pace at 21 goals, and like Roman Yossi, tracking to about an 80-point pace, which is also just very, very impressive given where things were over the the first part of his uh, tenure in Nashville to where things have gone this year. And then Ryan Johansson and Mikhail Granlund centering the, the top two lines and just being solid playmaking centers, responsible defensively, and oh, by the way, they're currently tracking to about a 60 to 70 point pace. So if the top of your roster has two players about to score in the 80s, somebody about to score over 40 goals, another one about to hit 35 to 40 goals, and two centers in the 60 to 70 point range, you're looking pretty good offensively. And then, oh yeah, having an all-world power play quarterback, puck moving offensive defenseman, and an all-world goaltender. And you can see how things are starting to come together. Another impressive element for the Predators this year has been the play of Tanner Janot. And he is just one of the engines that drives the team in terms of his work rate, physicality, contributing offensively, and just bringing that hard-to-play-against identity and edge that Coach John Hines really preaches with this team. And he may personify it really more than anybody else. And... Looking at the fact that at at this point, just over halfway through the season, he's already scored 13 goals right up there with the top of the rookie class, which is especially impressive considering he effectively sees almost zero power play time. In addition, he's killing penalties. I already mentioned the uh, physicality and intimidation that he brings. And along with the rest of the herd line, I mean, that group of Janot, Yakov Drennan, and Colton Sissons they start most games and they are finishing out. They are the line that's on the ice consistently at the end of close games. So for Tanner Janot as a rookie to be trusted in those situations and also to be producing offensively 
is just really, really impressive. And for where we are today, January 31st, it was released from the NHL that part of the all-star rookie team, along with some other very impressive rookies. So for him to be counted for in that class is, is really pretty exciting. On the defensive side of the ice, the emergence of Dante Fabro and, and Alex Carrier really can't be highlighted enough for a defensive unit that lost Ryan Ellis, who really was kind of a one of the heart and soul players of that of that defensive unit. A lot was put on on Fabro and Carrier's shoulders to really make a step forward, and they have really lived up to it. Dante Fabro is currently on the shelf with an injury, but he spent much of the season playing with. Roman Yossi in that top pair, playing big minutes. And in that role, you've got to be defensively sound and be able to back up Yossi, who's going to go do the amazing things that Roman Yossi does. And so far, Dante Fabro has handled himself tremendously in that role. And Alex Carrier has spent most of the season next to Matthias Ekholm, and they have really become a truly excellent all-around defensive pair to where they are really the shutdown pair on the back end. They play a lot of tough minutes. They start a large percentage of their of, of their ice time in the defensive zone, seeing the opponent's top offensive lines, but then also being able to contribute offensively. Alex Carrier is a smooth skater, handles the puck very well, able to, to pinch and, and work the puck around offensively. He's already chipped in pretty solid offensive production considering he also doesn't see a whole lot of power play time already having 14 assists on the season that's pretty good production for what you would expect to see from a still young defenseman playing a lot of minutes and a lot of defensive minutes especially and we can't close off the conversation about the emergence of this predators roster without spending some time talking about the coaching staff and what john hines and the rest of the staff have been able to instill within this group that just a couple of years ago was pretty broken, really, and had very little resolve, very little identity, played pretty soft. And now, just a couple of years into John Hines' tenure, he finally gets his first true training camp to really instill what he wants out of the team. And you can see the identity and the accountability coming out and all of the ways that the time spent to just get back to the basics of being a team have really been paying off. The Predators play physical. They're intimidating. The way they crash in on the forecheck, now just at this midpoint of the season, really starting to see how that takes its toll on the Predators' opponents. When defensemen have the puck on their own end, they're moving it a lot quicker because they know these predator forwards are coming. They are coming in fast, and they are coming in to really inflict some punishment. And that's going to pay off as the season progresses. And the other part of that identity and accountability is a level of resilience that really hasn't been seen in a number of years to where this team handles playing with a lead much better than they did previously. They don't completely turtle and just get shelled for the entirety of a third period and just praying that they can hold on for dear life and not blow their lead. They're actually playing a full ice game, attempting to score, attempting to take the game to the other team, even when they're working with a lead. And, and it shows. 
the Preds are one of the best records in the league when leading after one period, after two periods. They are really, really good at holding on to their leads. So starting to look ahead to the second half of the season and thinking about what I'll be paying attention to going forward, I think one of the biggest questions is, can the Predators maintain their offensive pace? And where I look at that is in terms of generating chances offensively versus how they're finishing. A big part of the turnaround offensively for the Predators is the fact that they're finishing their chances. They are getting to the right areas and they are finishing their shots when they have them, which has been a significant struggle over the past couple seasons. The challenge that will come as teams play them better defensively and make adjustments, the Predators are only about a middle-of-the-pack team in terms of generating offensive chances. So as that finishing gets more difficult and teams play them differently and make adjustments, can they work to create more chances to make up for the fact that finishing is probably not sustainable? Let's face it, Philip Forsberg is not going to shoot 24% for the entire season. It would be amazing if he did, but that's extremely unlikely. Along the same lines, but almost in reverse, is looking at Ellie Tolvanen and Philip Tomasino, the two young forwards playing on this roster. They have both been quite good at creating chances and, and, and getting shots and just have both been pretty snake-bitten. In terms of Tolvanen, it's probably a little bit more of just bad luck on some of his shots. He has hit a whole bunch of posts this season. And in the case of Tomasino, it's more just experience and becoming more comfortable with how and when to get his shot off to make the best chance in scoring. And if, if they can break out even to sort of a, a small extent, that could be a significant boost to the, the Predators offense overall as the season winds down and, and teams are going to key in even more on the uh, Predators top six. Looking ahead to the trade deadline, certainly something that I'll look to cover in a lot more depth as, as we get further into the month of February, but there's a very real possibility that this Predators team that was feeling like minutes away from a full rebuild could be a buyer, which would be on on some level a questionable choice for a team that we don't really know just how good they are. But at the same time, if you have a, a contending team, why not take a shot at it and, and see what happens? And there are some potentially very good players available on on the market, too, that I would probably keep an eye on in terms of helping enhance that offensive output that I, I talked about just a bit ago would be Claude Giroux and Tomas Hurdle. First off with, with Claude Giroux is he has a full no-move clause. He can elect to stay in Philadelphia, and he has absolutely earned that. But if he decides that he would like to take a run at it while the Flyers are not a contending team this year, he would be a really interesting add to this Predators roster and a, and a big enhancement to their top six in, in, in terms of playmaking. And then Tomas Hurdle in, in San Jose is having a very strong season and would come at a big, big cost. But just like Giroux would be a significant add to the, the Predators top six. For the final segment, I'll, I'll bring back uh, what we did in the first couple episodes, which is what I've been watching. 
over the course of the holidays and, and into the new year, had the chance to catch up on a few shows and, and see some of the new new movies coming out. Uh, the first one is a uh, season two of The Witcher on Netflix, which I thought was fantastic. Especially the last three or four episodes of the season, the the pace really picks up and is a really pretty exciting and compelling finish to the season that sets up a lot of a lot of interesting possibilities going forward. And then the movie to end all movies, uh, well, before the next movie to end all movies, Spider-Man No Way Home, which was just a mind-blowing experience. It was just so well acted and, and so well done, and the, the twists and turns of the story were, were really interesting, and yeah, it was just a, a really fun experience that sets up so much more in uh, Doctor Strange 2 coming up here in a couple of months. Uh, certainly looking forward to that as well. And just how big and insane this Marvel universe is, is turning into and seeing where all of that goes. And then I've, I've also been watching on uh, Disney Plus the book of Boba Fett. Boba Fett was never a character that I was that excited about in the Star Wars movies, but his inclusion in season two of The Mandalorian just made for a lot more story to tell. And the series focused on Boba Fett has really been a kind of a fun expansion of the Star Wars timeline created by The Mandalorian. And I'm just kind of excited to see where it goes and and what else that might set up for Mandalorian season three, which the Mandalorian is one of my favorite shows and is just so much fun. So it's 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 been interesting. There's a lot coming in the rest of, of 2022. So from just in a non-hockey entertainment perspective, I'm I'm looking forward to all of the big things that we're gonna have. So wrapping up episode three of the Predator Way podcast, these will be a, a bit of shorter episodes. And, and really the goal will be to try to turn some of these out a little more often where I can keep up a little better with, with what's happening, both with the National Predators and around the league. Part of the challenge of that is I'm basically teaching myself how to edit audio. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. And I'll look in, in upcoming episodes to potentially bring in some other guests that can help carry me along so you don't have to just listen to my voice the whole time. And then looking ahead, there's there's some exciting things coming with All-Star Weekend. Certainly a, a shout-out to UC Saros and Roman Yossi, both being included in the All-Star Weekend festivities. It looks like the Vegas theme will, will really carry through the entire weekend, especially seeing some of the interesting skills challenges that they're dreaming up. And then coming up here in a few weeks, very big week of Predators hockey, where they will face the Florida Panthers, who are just a juggernaut of a team. And then later that week is the retirement of Pecorine's jersey, before playing the Dallas Stars, and then two days later, the Stadium Series at Nissan Stadium, which should be a fun weekend and a, and a fun experience. Well, that's it for this episode. Once again, appreciate the patience as a, a lot of things have happened in, in my life. Hope you enjoy the episode and look forward to bringing more to you here in the days and weeks ahead as this unexpectedly exciting Nashville Predator season carries forward. My name is Boyd Farish. You can find me on Twitter at Boyd underscore 1212. And you can find all of my written work for Penalty Box Radio at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. This is the Predator Way podcast. 
stay safe, and we'll see you again soon.